You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that usually means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. Make way for Dark Helmet. All rise in the presence of Dark Helmet. Every week, I'll be talking with leaders in and out of F3, including regular appearances for my shared leadership team. If I'm going to do this, I'll need my news team at my side. News team, assemble! We're here for candid conversations, to answer questions from around F3 Nation, to pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. And we're back. Welcome back to yet another edition of the 43 Feet podcast, or as we have been calling it lately, the three boot, because it's the reboot of the reboot of the reboot. Uh, we've done this a couple times now. Uh, my name is Frank Schwartz, also known as Dark Helmet to all of the packs of F3 Nation. And this week, uh, I am excited for our guest, but first I just wanted to tell you, um, there are so many things going on around, uh, going on around the nation right now, and I'm hoping that you are taking full advantage of what's in front of you, not just for the workouts, right? It's a great workout. And we all know that. Uh, and we're super excited to have that resource, uh, you know, as far as having a free workout, being able to work out with guys, friends, and so on and so on. Right. But there are so many things that you can take full advantage of in terms of learning more leadership. Uh, this podcast is one we have, you know, several other podcasts as well, as you may know, the COT and other podcasts, right. That are helping us to carve out what does our leadership story look like for our next 43 feet. And, uh, and so I hope you're taking advantage of all the things that are out there. There's grow rucks coming up. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when this one's going to air. So I don't want to say exactly which grow rucks might be coming up because uh, they might be gone. So, uh, I'm not gonna worry about that part, but, uh, but if you've been on the fence about that, uh, I think you should probably ask a guy who's done one and see what it did to change his life. So with all that said, uh, you know, we are big into breaking through barriers and getting past our comfort zones and all the things that, that we're told that we're supposed to do. And so when I, when I met my guest today, uh, initially, I was super intrigued, not just because he's kind of a, uh, a leadership guru, genius kind of guy, but he, he also is ultra fit, um, like super fit. And, uh, and, and that's always intriguing because a lot of times we want to get into the mind of a man who runs 200 miles for some strange reason. Now, Brian wasn't always just a crazy running guy. He's a you know, former Silicon Valley human resource executive, uh, and, and now he has his own leadership consulting business. Um, and he, he says he's an amateur ultra endurance athlete, but I think once you've done uh, you know, a couple hundred miles around Lake Tahoe and ridden, his, ridden your bike across the whole U.S., things like that. Like, I'm not sure you're an amateur anymore. I think you may, you may have like leaked over into, uh, uh, semi-professional or something, right. Or certainly, uh, uh, over, overachieving enthusiast or some, <laughs> some other category. It's not, it's not amateur anymore. Um, but, uh, Brian Gillette is his name. He wrote a book called Epic Performance, uh, which is some lessons that he's gleaned from hundred different executives and endurance athletes on how to reach our peak. And I feel like that's something that is super important for us as F3 men to know. So welcome to the 43 feet, Brian. 
Frank, it is nice to be on the podcast and uh, it's been great to see some of the things that you're doing. I, uh, well, I'd love to call myself a professional um, athlete. I, I'm not getting paid for it. So that, that's why I think I have if to I handed it. you a dollar, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd still be an amateur. No, fair, fair. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm out doing, you know, doing events just like so many of your other, your listeners. It's just, uh, um, it's because, because we love it and we want to people. Yeah. People ask us all the time and, and I'm sure you get the question too. So I'm interested in your answer. Like what on earth possesses a man to run 200 miles? You know, we have cars, right? <laughs> You know, I, I haven't always been a runner. That's the, the crazy really? thing. I, I'm a, um, I'm a cyclist at my core. Okay. And, and I was finishing up a, I, I wanted to do this ride. It was 300 miles one day, 24 hours. And I wanted to see if it pushed me to a limit because I've always wanted to understand where those, those limits are in the mind and the body. And, you know, uh, uh, like two, three in the morning, 25 miles left in the bike ride. And I realized, man, I, I didn't hit the limit. And earlier in the day, I'd seen somebody die, um, uh, you know, dead on the I'm side sorry, of the road. What? Yeah, I'm, he was dead on the side of the road when I passed him. So the, it was an organized 200 mile run or ride, I should say. Uh-huh. And then I added on another hundred by myself just because I wanted to see how far I could go. Holy crap. And, and so I'd seen somebody die earlier in the day, or at least he was, he was on the side of the road and, and I had collided with another bicycle and it kind of shook me up a little, but I kept going and I realized, you know, we put these limits in our head and sometimes they hold us back. And, yeah. and so as I was, as I was coming in, I, you know, 25 miles to the end, I thought, you know, I, I haven't hit the limit. And I started to think, cause I'm always thinking about, okay, what's next, what's next. And I thought, okay, you know, I've, I've never been a runner. Um, my parents used to make fun of how slow I, I ran. Cause as a kid, they, they said, you know, we never used to stopwatch to measure how fast you are. We used a calendar cause, and, and so, <laughs> and I thought, well, not, not the greatest for somebody's self-esteem, right? but, <laughs> um, but I, I thought, all right, you know, I'm not a runner, but. I've, I've always thought, you know, the ultimate running is to do a marathon. And so let me, let me train and do, do a marathon and that. So, and that kind of got me into to doing more and more runners. And it, and it really, I never actually called myself a runner until I finished a hundred, a hundred mile run. You know, I'd done a a marathon (laughs) and I did a couple fifties and I thought, you know, maybe those guys aren't runners. Well, I I thought maybe I need to, to call myself a runner now. Cause, uh, you know, it's not, not that you have to run 20, you know, a marathon to be considered a runner. You can run five miles, but it's like, I, it was never in my head. And so finally it's like, after a couple of years of running, I thought, yeah, you know, I might have to call myself a runner. Uh, so, I would say, yeah, you kind of, you kind of do at, at that point. Uh, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. So, were you, it, so were you dropped on your head or something or like, what? I, I, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall. You know, it's, it's like, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of the folks on, you know, listening can, can appreciate that. It's just, I, I wanted something to kind of push me and keep me alive and, and I found that doing some of these ultra distance events, you know, they, one, they gave me a goal during the year to work on. And in order to reach that goal, I had to stay in a certain level of shape. So mm-hmm. I couldn't, you, you can't, I mean, if you're going to run a marathon or even longer, you can't oh, yeah. just go out one day and do it. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. You got to train for a couple of months. And so that goal allowed me to kind of, okay, I got to get up and I got to, I got to go for a run or I got to go for a bike ride. And so it, there, there's some people and my, my wife is one of them that she can just get up and either go to the gym or do a workout with not having the goal. And I applaud that. I actually <laughs> think it's, it's a healthier way to do it. Fair. Um, and that wasn't just me. And I'm starting to kind of get into kind of how, how she does it. Cause I think it's the, the healthier way. Um, so there, there's different ways, but how do you stay in shape? And, yeah. and you got to figure that, that out for yourself. Yeah. I guess it's true. Whatever, whatever kind of gets you there. And, you know, that we always say like, what, what diet is the best diet? The one that you'll follow. Right. Right. Uh, and so ho- however it is that you're going to stay fit. In fact, that's funny. Cause I'm, I'm more of a, I get up because it's just part of my discipline. It's just part of my routine. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I work out because. I desire to be fit, but I don't mm-hmm. necessarily, I'm not training for any particular thing ever. I don't really care. Um, I do a number of events. I don't do them well because I don't train specifically, you know, but I just do them because it's like, ah, I'm probably fit enough to do that. And so then, you know, you go do it or whatever, but uh, a marathon is not one of them. Um, but you do it. That's the thing. And yes. that's, I mean, at the end of the day, you right. do it while I there's do something. Yeah, yeah. There's so many people that don't do it. Right. But I was going to say too, you know, but I've got a buddy, you know, who he, he just will, if he doesn't have a thing that he is training for specifically, his fitness will drop into the toilet. It just will, you know? And so I guess it's an interesting part of kind of different ways that people are motivated and and whatever gets you out is whatever gets you out, I guess. But, and is that one of the, is that kind of a theme maybe that, that you sort of discovered as you were doing these interviews and, and getting to know these leaders and these, these ultra athletes and things like that, as you're writing the book, was this something that you kind of noticed or what are some other patterns maybe that even came up? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that surprised me, um, you know, in interviewing all these leaders is how humble they were. And hmm. cause, cause I, I you was in, inter- they'd brag, right? Well, I know that's what I thought. And, and I thought it's like, okay, it's going to be hard to get a hundred people, you know, they're, you know, they're, it's like, I'm too busy. You know, I'm not going to do this. And I only had two people that said no. And, and, and and one of them, you know, so I, I mean, the hundred was kind of a, an arbitrary number. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, it was a good round number. It's, it's significant data. Um, you know, after you start to talk to 40 or 50 people, you get a gist. Um, (laughs) but it's like, uh, all right, I I wanted the hundred. And so I set that goal and that's kind of what I worked toward. Well, no one's surprised from the guy who's like, ah, I ran a hundred miles or I mean, I rode a hundred (laughs) miles. Oh, maybe I'll just add another hundred for fun. Yeah. Okay. No surprise that you would be like, oh, 50 is good, but maybe a hundred's better. Well, you know, it it was when I did the, uh, when I did the marathon, I thought, oh, I, I hadn't even thought like a 50 at that time. And I thought, oh, I did the marathon. I thought, oh, that's you know, that was pretty cool. And then I started to get involved in fifties, uh, and a friend, uh, you know, a couple friends and I, we were sitting around, which is where most bad ideas occur when a couple <laughs> friends are sitting around. I, I don't know about you, Frank, but no, it's a, totally true. Yeah. We're always like, that sounds horrible. What time do we yeah. start? Yeah. Well, okay. When are we going to do it? Uh, and so we're sitting around and, and one guy who had done this one 50 mile trail run, uh-huh. um, he goes, you know, maybe we ought to do that. And, and I find that when a, an idea comes out of my mouth, it is like, all right, 
were were really serious about moving that direction. Wow. <laughs> and and so four of us were sitting around and it's like, okay, we're going to do it. And we're going to train together. We're going to go together. And it's good to have that. It's good to have that, uh, that, that uh, partner that helps you move forward. Um, that accountability partner, which I talk about. I mean, Oh, for that, sure. Yeah. You probably yeah. see it all the time. Yeah. I mean, in fact, that's, we all often say that's, that is probably so the guy who founded uh, F3, Dave Redding, uh, has often said he the only time that he had consistent fitness in his life was when he was in the military, because mm-hmm. you're told when to get up, you're told you're going to do fit like you don't have any choices really about some of those kinds of things. And as soon as he was out of that environment, he thought I'm a very disciplined guy. And as soon as he was out of that environment, it was like, oh, I'm not disciplined at all. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> someone else was disciplined and they poured that discipline on me. You know, and uh, and so you know he, he talks all the time, and we talk about it all the time too about the fact that you know our the only thing that keeps me going out consistently is the fact that my buddies are out there. Right. And I know if I don't show up, they'll just give me a lot of crap, you know, right. like, <laughs> yeah. and that's just the way they roll, you know? So, I mean, I, I, a good friend of mine who just moved out of town and he and I would bicycle uh, you know, a couple times a week. And when you know that, all right, he's relying on me and he's thinking the same thing that it's like, okay, I can't let him down. It's one thing if you get up and it's like, yeah, you know, it's raining. I don't want to ride. I'm going to ride by myself. You know, I don't want to do it. It's easy to, to do that. But when somebody else is on the other line, other end, it's like, it's harder to say no. And oh, so yeah. there's, it's that peer pressure. And, and you know, we often think about peer good pressure. Way. Yeah. We often think about peer pressure is bad, right. but I think this is, this is one way that it, it, it could be good. Uh, done a, well. <laughs> Son, I want you to avoid peer pressure. Right. Uh, unless it's running marathons, things <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Heroin, no. Drugs, <laughs> marathon, yes. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> so you decided fifty was good. You got a gist, but a hundred was better. So you interview a hundred people over however how long? Well, how, it was how about a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and what were some of the big? Because what I think is interesting too is it wasn't like oh I'm just going to introduce or I'm introduce I'm going to interview you know a uh, hundred business leaders. Okay. No, uh, maybe some of those guys, there probably was some overlap. Right. Um, but these are C-suite people and then distance athletes as what were they all, was it, was there total overlap or was it? No, it wasn't total overlap. Um, there was the, the reason why I did kind of the executives and ultra distance athletes and, you know, to be on the executive list, you had to be kind of at the C level. You had to be a founder of a company kind of that level is what I was looking Somebody, Mm -hmm. um, that had, had had reached kind of the, the top of their, their, uh, their kind of role. And so they'd had some significant amount of experience for the ultra distance. I, that you had to have done an iron, a full Ironman or run a hundred miles, something of that caliber. Um, I did interview, I interviewed two people that did seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Wait, and more than one person has done that. Oh yeah. There's a bunch. And it was one of these things. Um, it, there's an organization. I mean, you can, you can okay. you know, Google it. Not going to happen, but go um, ahead. And, and I, I thought it's like, Oh my God, that sounds so cool. Um, but you gotta, you know, at the time it was like 40, $50,000 to as the entrance fee. And oh, I, thought, yeah, oh, I got right. You got to fly all those places. And yeah, stuff. You, yeah. You have, so I forget how many people were doing it, but you have a, um, your own plane. And you're, um, so it's a chartered plane okay. and you, I think you start in South Africa, you do a marathon, okay. then you go down to Antarctica and you just kind of work your way. So it's, you run your marathon, you get on the plane and you go to uh-huh. the next continent and you're doing your, and it's just, it's crazy. 
Uh, and it's that I, I will tell you there, there's a point where it's like, you know, I, my wife and I were talking, it's like, you know, that sounds really cool. I, I was just going to say, <laughs> you say that with just enough energy in your voice as you're describing it, Brian, I think yeah. you're going to do this, aren't you? You know, it, it's one of these things like, ah, I'm not sure I want to pay the, you know, then COVID hit and it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's probably 60, $70,000 a person. And, and I couldn't do it without my wife. So then uh -huh. it's like, all right, you're spending $120,000. It's like, yeah, eh, I, 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 I might do something <laughs> else sure with that money. <laughs> I could buy a house. I could, but yeah, a lot of I will tell you if somebody said, Hey, Brian, uh, you know, we've got a seat for you. You know, will oh. you do it? It's like, Oh, in a heartbeat. You wouldn't even think about it. Would you wouldn't even think about it? Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, there's something very different about, um, once, once you've kind of broken through something, something changes, doesn't it? Yeah. The, you know, my favorite quote, um, a friend of mine told me, he goes, there's nothing more rewarding than finishing something you were too crazy to start in the first place. <laughs> And it's, it's like, it's so true. I mean, it's, you yeah. think about, oh, you know, that's, that's crazy stuff. And then you do it. It's like, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. What do you find as, as, so as you talk to all these people and, and all this kind of stuff, what did you find? <clears throat> I mean, the, even the ones who weren't, you know, distance athletes or, or, you know, maybe, I don't even know, maybe they weren't even all that fit, who knows. Right. But, but there were probably some things, even though they're, 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 backgrounds didn't overlap, you know, some were, were sea level executives, some were distance athletes or, or whatever, right. you know, so those two things may not have overlapped, but surely there are some characteristics, uh, as you talk about epic accomplishments and, and epic performance, yeah. what are some of those things that you kind of saw as a, as a thread that ran through most, most of them? And, and, and there were, so about 75% of the people were executives and then, you know, about 25% were, were just ultra distance athletes. And then there was, there was a handful that was both. And, and the reason why I did that is I wanted to understand, is there, is there some overlap, you know, between what an ultra distance mm -hmm. and what a, an executive in, ter in terms does. of behavior in terms of behavior. And yeah. that's how I came up with Epic performance. And so what it stands for. So the E in Epic is envision. Can you envision the big things in life, in your career at work that you want to accomplish? How do you envision that? And then P is how do you put a plan in place in order to do it? The I is how do you iterate to that plan? So you don't start off running a marathon. You start I, I can't off running. just leave tomorrow and be like, ah, 26, here we go. You, you probably could, Frank, oh, no, um, but okay. you'd be <laughs> but really, the thought. you'd be really sore, <laughs> um, but you probably could. I'd and... be the dead guy you passed. <laughs> I think that's what would happen. <laughs> well, I, you know, I remember, uh, I, I remember when I, it's like, okay, I'm going to go run a marathon and, and I went out, bought some shoes um, at lunchtime. And then I was working from home and I thought, I'm just going to go for a, a four mile run. And again, I'm not running, but I was in really good bicycling shape. Sure, sure. And I go for the four mile run. I'm sitting at my desk in the afternoon and I thought, oh, I got to go upstairs to go to the bathroom. And I, I don't know. I mean, those stairs were really steep and it's like, oh man, that hurts. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the iterate is okay. You do four miles today. Uh -huh. And next week you do five miles and then the following week. So it's, how do you work your way up? And then there's uh, the C is collaborate. How do you learn from other people? Um, huh. And, you know, how do you have the mentors? There's somebody, you know, when I did the 200 mile run around Lake Tahoe, I had two friends that had done it the first, the previous year, which is the first year of this run. And so I had that experience. I had that expertise and I relied on them. And so I can collaborate with them. And then lastly, the performance, how do you do it? You know, this is epic gets you to the start line and then the performance gets you from the start line to the finish line. Um, and so 
as I talked to all these people and it all kind of came together, one of the things that I was realizing is you're not good at all five. Envision, mm. plan, iterate, collaborate, perform. You may be good at two, maybe mm -hmm. three. And so it's being able to understand, okay, where am I really good? Like I, I had interviewed, the first person I interviewed was the CEO. His name is Jeff. Um, the, the CEO, I, I one of the CEOs I worked for in my career, the best leader I've ever worked for, just phenomenal guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting down, we're having breakfast and I'm asking him some of these questions. And he goes, you know, Brian, I, I'm not very good at the envision part, that strategy um, I'm really good at, at planning and iterating. He goes, but when I, I know as a CEO, you have to have that strategy. So I bring people on that can help me with it. And so how do you get others involved um, in order to, to kind of round out those areas? Where are you strong and where, where may you need some help? And sure. so that, that, the, that epic performance came to be after talking to these hundred people and realizing, all right, you know, I, I met people with it. They were great at the plan and iterate, but they were terrible at collaborate, uh, uh, but they yeah, knew yeah. how to compensate for it. Right. And that's probably true, uh, not just of completing tasks or whatever else. That's true of everything in your life, isn't it? It, it is. You know, I, I do a lot of coaching with leaders and, you know, I'll often look, it's like, okay, where are, where are your superpowers? What are you really good at? And where are the areas that you may not be as strong? And, and you may have to bring some of those kind of weaker areas up to a base level, but how mm -hmm. do you rely on other people? And how do you make sure that those things you're really good at, you know, you, you, maybe you get a little bit better. You, you look at like Usain Bolt, who is, you know, he's a phenomenal runner and you're know, the I've fastest heard. guy. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the fastest guy, you know, on, on the planet. On the planet, yeah. You know, he's, he's probably not the greatest uh, discus thrower. So yeah, I'm going to guess no, you know, so he's not out working on his discus, which is his weakest part. He's out trying to get what he's so good at is running the hundred meter. Um, he's, he's working on getting that a thousandth of a second faster. So how do you get your strength a little bit stronger? And that's, that's what I learned so much talking to these people is they focus on what they're really strong at and try to get it better. Um, yeah, and so it's, it's funny. We have a, we, we talk in, a, in, in F3 sometimes about a concept uh, Dave, Dave always mentions. He's like, no, I think getting out of your comfort, comfort zone is a terrible idea. Uh, and he kind of says that just to, you know, provoke people, right? Because <laughs> it's very anti-culture, right? Yeah. And I don't think we mean, uh, you know, like not breaking through limits. We, we want you to break through limits. We want you to, to not be complacent you know, things like that. But his, his point is just what you said, which is find that thing that you are super good at yeah, and figure out how to get better and better and better at that. And quit worrying about like, why would Usain need to throw a discus, you know, or right. something that, that's totally, it makes no sense. But if he was going to, you know, it's going to break through his comfort zone. Like he should really try to do this thing. That's, you know, no, that's yeah. there's nothing yeah. to do with him. And so I say, okay, you know, part of getting out, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of getting into that uncomfortable zone, you know, and, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. So, yeah. so, you know, if you're Usain Bolt, it's like, how do I get uncomfortable as I'm trying to get that hundred faster in the hundred meter, um, you know, and push, push myself there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Get comfortable, be comfortable being uncomfortable. That is, I mean, we, we hear that sometimes. And then certainly mm -hmm. we, we talk about that too. Um, but when, when, when you're on mile 150, you're I imagine, uncomfortable. Yeah. I was, I imagine that's, 
<laughs> you're like 125 miles past comfortable. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I'm well past comfortable. So what are the things that you do or that you teach people to do, or even maybe you have observed as you, you know, interviewed and things like that, but what are the things that you do to get, to be okay with being uncomfortable? It cannot be just, well, I just grip my teeth. That, that's no. only going to be good for so long, right? Yeah, it, it is only going to be, you know, first of all, in your training, it should push you into that uncomfortable zone. And so when you get into the event and you go into that uncomfortable zone, you can say, hey, I've been here before. And, and, and the one example I use a lot is, you know, I, I remember, you know, I had to do, you know, part of my training regimen is I had to do th four 30 mile runs in a row. So I'd wake up on Sunday, run 30 miles, Tuesday, uh, Monday, run 30 miles, Tuesday, run 30 miles and Wednesday run 30 miles. So 120 uh, miles, four days sleep, <laughs> you know, it, it yeah. How I mean, does 30 miles take. Um, yeah, let's see, eight minutes a mile. Nine, yeah, how fast I mean, it was probably eight hours or so. I forget what the, the, the time is. Um, yeah, yeah that's and, nuts. okay. Continue. And it depends. So when you do that, you know, day three, you're really uncomfortable. Um, day one, you're a little uncomfortable, but you're at that point, you're in pretty good shape and day three, you're really uncomfortable. And, and so you get, you, you know what it's like. Mm -hmm. And so when it happens on race day, you, it's like, you know, I've, I've been here before and this is normal because what you want to try to do is normalize your pain. You know, you have to be able to analyze, okay, what pain uh. is normal and what pain isn't normal. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I remember it's like, oh, I got to get up and I had to get up early, you know, early one morning um, at like three in the morning to go run because um, I, I was going to do a marathon before my kids soccer game. So it's like, OK, I got to get up at three and it's, you know, it's raining out and it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I just don't want to get up. But when you get up at that time and go out and you're running in the rain and it's miserable when it happens on race day. It's like, you know, I've done this and I make it. Um, there, there's a, there's another, a, a bunch of other techniques that I use that when you're kind of dealing with, with, you know, pain or dealing with a challenge, you know, I like to put things in perspective, mm -hmm. um, you know, when on, on that, those four 30 mile runs, I remember on the third day, you know, I was 10 miles into my 30 miles. So at this point I've run <laughs> 70 miles for a couple over the oh past gosh. couple of days. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, it's hot. You know, my legs are tired and mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just whining to myself. And I thought, you know, at any moment I could just stop. And, and I remember, you know, a, a friend of mine who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer, you know, I remembered thinking about her and, you know, she couldn't just stop mm. and her pain, her pain was going to last a long time. My pain was temporary. You know, I could stop at any time. She couldn't. I was voluntarily doing this. She wasn't going through it. And so it just puts things in perspective. And, and I just recorded something for the radio, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago about this is it just puts things in perspective. It's like, you know, I'm having a bad day, but my bad day doesn't even come close to the bad day of somebody else. So you just gotta, you gotta just suck it up, Brian, and, and start running. Um, and, and so there's, there's a number of things you can do kind of mentally, um, in order to prepare, prepare yourself for that. 
you know, it, I always go back to, it's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> and, and, and that was my question before I started, but yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that, and, and I, sometimes you don't have the answer, right? Right. Um, but you know that when you're on race day, you're going to experience pain and mm -hmm. it's normal, but here's, here's the big thing with, you know, when you do a, the 200 mile run or any run, you have a certain amount of time for 200 miles. It was a hundred hours that you have to finish. Okay. So four days, um, you have to finish it. And I did it in 76 and a half hours. And, and I always thought it's like, my pain will be over in a hundred hours. You know, if, if you're 50 hours into it, oh, yeah. okay. my pain will be over in 50 hours, you know, yeah. kind of, or, yeah. or it'll, at least it'll significantly subside. Right. So that's why I always think, you know, doing, you know, getting from the start line to the finish line is often harder than getting to the start line. Because you, you think about an event like this, I spent a year training to get to the start line. And so there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that year yeah, sure. you know, from the start to the finish is only a hundred hours. I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in that year, but, but you got time. You do have you time got resources. Like you can, you can. So to your point, when, when, when the gun goes off, I don't know if that's how they start a hundred mile race, uh, or, <laughs> but they just say, you know, get out of here. Yeah, okay, go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Toodaloo>. <laughs> right? Good luck. But, but when, when, you know, when, when they say go, you're, you're right. Then you are constrained then by all the factors that are present for that race. Right. If it's yeah. rain, if it's time, if it's, you know, heat, if it, whatever the thing is that now you have to deal with whatever it is. Right. And there, there is no, well, and, uh, and, we, could, we could make it up tomorrow. And at mile, Oh, I don't know. Um, 50 hours or so. I forget what mile it was. You know, it started to rain middle of the night. It started oh, to rain oh, and, you know, it's, it, it's, well, it, it wasn't so much, you know, in some ways it's, um, the, the, the trails were so dusty. So in uh. some ways it's like, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty good at figuring out the, what, what's the, what's the positive thing of this, right. you know, <laughs> I think um, you have to be. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, it's starting to rain. It, so I'm not going to have the dust blowing. Um, and it's like, I know what it's like to run in the rain. I'm just going to grab my raincoat. I've, I've got one. I'm going to put it on and there's nothing I can do about the rain. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are things I can do about blisters, but there is nothing I can do about the rain. So I can't worry about the rain. I got to worry about something that I can worry about, you know, that I, I should worry about and yeah. rain's not one of them. Yeah. One of the things that I notice when we, when I talk to men, uh, in F3 and, and even out of F3, but across the, across the country and, and different places, one of the things that I I've noticed or observed is that a lot of times guys have good ideas and maybe it's part of the Epic, right? Maybe, maybe they've, they've got a little bit of that envision in them or whatever, yeah. but there seems to be something that holds them back, whether it's fear or, uh, you know, I'm not hundred percent sure what it always is. I mean, usually there's some reason, but a lot of times guys have trouble getting started. They see the big thing. Maybe they're, maybe they're just daunted by the size of the task or whatever it is. I don't know, but yeah. they have trouble getting started, just doing something. And you, you told me of something and I'd love for you to share the story a little bit, uh, that you did that it was like, Oh, this is a big thing, but you know, within a couple hours, you're like, man, I'll just do it. Yeah. Well, how do you, you, so first of all, how do you get, just get over that hump of like, I just got to start. What is the thing that guys should do to, to start? Well, you know, 
just do something. I mean, part of what I write under, you know, in, in the book, there's the five behaviors, epic, you know, envision, plan, iterate, collaborate, and perform. And on, under each one of those, there's three different kind of behaviors. And, and under the plan, you know, one of them is just get started, do anything to move you in that direction. So if it's a marathon, and it's funny because I was I was uh, one of my clients um, that I was just working with a couple of weeks ago. She was telling me she goes, Brian, I want to run a half marathon, and 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 the work I do with them has nothing to do with running. It's all on the mm-hmm. corporate side. And she just happened to be saying, you know, I, I want to run a half marathon, and and so I said, next time, you know, just sign up for one. Next time I talk to you. I want to know what, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you what, what one you're yeah, going to do. What's the date? Yeah. Yeah. What's the date? And so we had a call uh, like a week later and she, she said, Hey, Brian, I signed up for it. It's like, okay, great. Just do something. And, you know, I think that, that what you were, the story you were talking about is sometimes, you know, we get so involved that we have to have everything planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is kind of, I, I, I'm a planner and I love things planned out, but sometimes you just kind of have to jump in and figure out things along the way and know you can. So about uh, two months ago, month and a half, two months ago, um, a good friend or a friend of ours um, had, and his son had flown into Berlin, rented a van, drove to the Ukrainian Polish border, picked up refugees, brought him back to Berlin and then did it again. And when he was in, in uh, Berlin, the, the, each time he would go to a pharmacy and just buy a bunch of medical supplies and then deliver them down to the Ukrainian border. And, and I, I'm watching his, you know, I, I read it, reading his final post and I thought, man, this, this sounds pretty cool. And I, and I'm always up for an adventure. And I, I, I sent it over to my wife and, you know, seriously, I sent it over, um, you know, partly to like, Hey, I think you'd be interested in reading this, but then also I'm um, hope you're, hope you're interested in doing this, but I'm, I'm right. too afraid to say that. <laughs> I don't want, <laughs> honey, guess what we're going to do? No, no, no. It's like, what? kind of fool would do this? Please say yes. Please say yes. Please say yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's exactly. And, and my wife is, yeah. my, my wife is, has always says yes to some of these crazy ideas. And that's what I love about her. And, and so I sent it over to her and she reads it and she goes, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and we start talking about, well, should we do this? And this is on a Saturday morning. And about two hours later, we decided we're going to do it. And I said, if you know, we'll do it if, because the question she asked, and I think this is like a key question to always ask yourself is, you know, will we regret not doing it? Mm. Will we regret not doing it? And she says, I, I think if we don't do it, we'll regret it. I said, okay, let's do it. Let's, we got to figure it out. You know, I, and, and we kind of figured, all right, we'll, we can raise 10 to $20,000. You know, that's not going to be that hard to, to raise the money. Um, we put it out to our network. We had to get our kids on board. And so we, we asked, we asked both of our kids and they were like, and, and tell, tell everybody how old your kids are. So kids are 13 and 15. Yeah. So it ain't like um, you can just sort of leave them. No. And, and, yeah. and we didn't want to leave them. It would have been right. easy for my wife and I to go. We wanted them to experience it. And, and so my, my, I told my younger son, cause he, he was there. My older son was out at a, um, uh, doing a run. Um, and, <laughs> and I, I told my younger son, I said, Hey, here's, here's what we're thinking about doing. Are you on board? You know, we would, we would, you know, rent a van at the time we were thinking we'd rent two vans, 
you know, I'd drive down with one child and my wife would drive and then we'd go pick up refugees at the border and bring them back to Berlin. And my son said, yeah, yeah, maybe. And, and in my mind, that was a, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> I heard what I wanted to hear. <laughs> I heard what I wanted to hear. And, and the fact, because normally he would say, no, I don't no, think so. Yeah. He said, yes. And about 20 minutes later, he's, he's on a, on the phone call with his buddy. They're playing video games. And he said, uh -huh. oh, you know, because we, this was Saturday. We were thinking about leaving on Monday or Tuesday. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it was going to be that two days quick. later, two days later. Um, and he, he's, he's telling his buddy, he goes, I, you know, I might not be in school next week because I might be going to Ukraine. And I'm thinking, well, we're not going into Ukraine. We're going close, but not there. And, and his, his buddy said, well, you're going to miss school. And, and my son says, you know, school's important, but I think this is more important. And I thought, Okay, got him. <laughs> I, I've got him, and I've done my job as a father. You know, yeah. it's like okay, yeah, 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 right, yeah. yes, Ooh, father validation. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, and I knew my other son would get on board really quickly. Um, and so we we started where everybody's on board. I'm looking at tickets, and and then later that night they they said, you know, can we postpone it um, because I, I'm I'm hesitant to miss school next week, and I want to be able to kind of talk to my teachers. And so we went three weeks later. Okay, we. You know, we put out a note to everybody. We start raising money, and the money's coming in faster than we think. You know, we raised sixty thousand dollars. Um, and and my wife says, and and we know we have this high level idea of what we're going to do. We're going to help the refugees. We're going to try to get medical supplies into Ukraine. And and so at one point we have, you know, we're probably at fifteen twenty thousand dollars. And my wife, and you know, this is like day two. And my wife says, "What are we going to do with all the money?" I mean, I said. We'll figure it out. That's a good problem to have. We can just do more. Sure. And, and it was, you know, it was just, we were constantly figuring things out along the way. We knew we could do it. And, and had you asked me, like, if I knew how to get, you know, $10,000 of prescription medical supplies from Berlin into um, Kiev across three countries into a war zone, I would have said, I have no idea. But we had we had the idea. It's like we can figure it out, yeah. and and we did. And it just and so we've got we've got another. You know, I think by, at the end of the day, there's probably going to be you know twenty to thirty thousand uh, dollars, the equivalent of twenty to thirty thousand dollars of prescription medicine that we'll get in. We're looking to get it into Odessa right now. Where so, where is that? So that is it's a uh, so southern south um, western uh, Ukraine. Okay. Um, and you know, it's a word it's like, okay, how do we do this? And it's, I don't know how, but we can do it. We can figure it out. And we did. And so you say, I mean, to some guys listening right now, or to me right now, that sounds like running, a, running a hundred mile race, like, and, but it sounds like you just jumped off the couch and, and ran a hundred mile race. So what would you say in your mind prepared you to jump and to just do something like that? And, and this is, this is one of the things that I found with a hundred people that I talked to is, you know, they have tremendous confidence that they can figure it out. And, you know, if, if I were to go back 20 years, I would have thought, oh no, no, we, I, I, I don't know how to do this. And <laughs> let's, let's spend some more time planning. Yeah. But, you know, as you know, you start talking to people, it's like, I knew we could figure it out. Um, and, and, and I always knew what the end goal was. I didn't know how. And so sometimes I think you just gotta, you just gotta jump in and know and have that confidence that I'll get there. And do you think that 
the, and I, I know what I think and, and cause I think I've experienced some of this as well, but do, do you think, or did you find also uh, that the fact that you were willing to be comfortable being uncomfortable, the fact that you were willing to run, even when it was painful, the fact that you were willing to, to go, even when your body and your mind and everything was like, can't we just sleep, you know, whatever, <laughs> right? Like the fact that you were willing to do that, do you feel like that built sort of that, um, I, I don't know, the, the, the right pathways or, or the calluses or however you want to, you know, whatever metaphor you pick. Yeah. yeah. Success comes from little successes. Yeah, and, and is that kind of that's kind of the idea of iterate? Yes, that that's all. Yeah, that's what iterate is. Is is iterates about kind of building up those smaller successes. It's about practicing and failing, and then doing redoing. Um, yeah. And how do you do that? And you know, I, I, my my wife's a swimmer, and and you know, I, I'm not really a swimmer, but you know. Because it's you know, terrible. I, I said I wasn't a runner. <laughs> but, okay, fair. That's a good point. <laughs> so I mean, we we put these things in our head. But my wife's a swimmer, and and I think that you know you, you look at the difference between swimming in the deep end and the shallow end. It's the same water. You know, uh, when you swim yeah. in when you swim in the shallow end, that builds up your confidence, and that allows us to build up that confidence. So when we move over into the deep end, it's the same skills. But we know yeah. that we've got that safety. We can just put our feet down in the shallow end. But I get comfortable and I can move around. And then when I move over into the deep end, no different water. It's just, it's mental um, that, okay, now I start to get over into that deep end where I can build some resilience. Uh -huh. um, and, and so how, you know, iterate is about swimming in the, in the shallow end. So you're ready to go move into yeah, the deep so end and you build the skills, you build up those skills, you build up the successes and with successes come confidence and then allows you to go bigger and bigger. I didn't start off running 200 miles. You know, I, <laughs> you know, my first run in, it was the marathon and then it's like, okay, hey, I can do that. And I knew it's like, I, I have the skills and capabilities in order to get up to a 50. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, now let's drive for a hundred. Now, each time I was nervous, you know, as I sure. stood at the start line, but it's like, all right, I, I, I've, I've gotten, I've done what I've needed to do. I, I, I read an article a while back about a woman who she wanted to ride 500 miles. She wrote a, a blog post mm -hmm. and, and she, she went 325 or something, which I think still, still a respectable ride, but she wanted to ride 500 miles. And, and she was talking, she goes, I didn't really, you know, I thought I could only ride 300 miles. And, and what, what, yeah, you, you know, what, what I'm, where Just I'm going. Kidding. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you know, you failed before you even started. You know, if you yeah. think you, if you don't think you can do it, it's a lot harder than if you think you can do it. Yeah. In fact, if you think you can't do it, you probably won't start or you'll only get like a little teeny way. If you think you can do it, you may fail yeah. before you reach the end. You may not do it still. But you're almost guaranteed, I would think, or at least I think, that you'd get further than you would if you had decided it's not possible. Yeah, you know, I, it was funny. I was on a podcast a, a while back about a guy who it's a running podcast, and mm -hmm. he was running the Tahoe 200. It was it just happened this past weekend, um, and he was doing it, and he he bowed out at 100 miles, and so he mm -hmm. had a DNF. It did not finish, and I said, you know, 
you got further than most people did. Um, most people will have a DNS, which is a did not start. <laughs> right, yeah. DNT, did not try. Yeah. Did not try. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Did, I haven't heard that, but that makes sense. Yeah, did not try. You tried and made it. I mean, and you think only 1% of the population, which astounded me when I saw this number, has run a marathon. 1%. I'm su- Honestly, I'm surprised it's that high. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just, I hang in circles where it's like, okay, yeah, we've, you know, most of us like, done, <laughs> maybe I'm in the wrong circles. <laughs> no, um, no, I think you're in the good circles. Stay in that yeah. circle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like only 1% when you yeah. 90% could go out and do it. I don't know if that's the right number, but a high percentage. Uh, a much higher than 1%. Yeah, much higher much than higher 1%. Than 1%. Yeah. 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 Super interesting. Uh, so Brian, I'll ask you this, and, and, and this is kind of where we'll, I think we'll wrap up here, but so the guys that are, are listening, uh, you know, they're guys like us, kind of middle-ish yeah. aged, you know, guys, we, we, we've lived good lives, you know, they're, we're doing fine in life for the most part. We right. certainly by the societal standards, we're, uh, you know, we've got a house, we've got kids, we've got, you know, wife, car, whatever, right? We've got all the things that would, that would seem like it, but, but right. we still find that there's a lot of men who are, and again, I, I don't know if it's a fear thing or what. Um, but, but find ourselves not pushing into, uh, into that place where we are performing uh, epically, right. Yeah. We're, we're really achieving, you know, cause your first thought after finishing, you know, the long race was, Oh, I, I, there was more, <laughs> there was more in me, you know, and, and I, I didn't leave it all out there. And I don't know if that's just, you know, kind of how you're wired or, or what, what advice you might give, but if you had to kind of sum up a piece of advice for a guy who is finding himself sitting there going, I don't know what's next. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. What what might that be? You know, I'd I'd probably go back and think about what's important to you, you know, long-term, you know, we often, we we live in this get rich quick, lose weight, (laughs) fast mentality. And, and, you know, I, I would love to have gotten rich quick. <laughs> no, 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 I'm still uh, waiting. At some point, it's going to drop out of the sky. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, okay, how do you, how do you lose a hundred pounds in you know, a hundred days? It's like, right. it, it, yeah, it happens every once in a while. There are somebody, it's like they win the lottery, but that's, that's not it. It takes a lot of work. And so it really, you know, what I find is how are we looking out 20, 30, 40 years? And what are the things that you want to say you've done, you've accomplished, you're no, you're, you're about, I was talking to somebody earlier today and he said, I'm really looking at what the legacy I live, not when I die, but a hundred or 200 years beyond me. And so how am I, you know, he was looking at how do I build up this nest egg that my kids could take it and it starts becoming this legacy. Um, so I, I think if we're looking further out, um, and then, and then when you understand kind of what it is, like, I know I love adventures. Mm-hmm. And so every year I'm trying to figure out what are the adventures that we're doing? Um, but I think you talk about fear. It's, you know, what, what is, what are we afraid of? Um, and, you know, a lot of times we're afraid of, you know, hear no rejection. Sure. I won't make it, but because most fears you know, we're, we're often fear of worst case scenario and that often doesn't happen. Yeah. And so yeah. how do we really look at what am I, what am I afraid of? And if that happens, what's it going to mean? And it's right. probably, you know, um, they're, probably they're, not uh, that bad. 
they're boogeyman fears, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I told myself a story about what was happening here. It's not actually grounded in any kind of reality, right? I'm sure convinced there's a monster under the bed and I'm pretty sure that it's going to eat me. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, whatever the thing is, right? I, I, I mean, I remember, I remember in like in, in elementary school, we used to have dances uh -huh. and, and so the, all the boys would be on one side of the gym and all the girls would be on the other side of the gym. And it was about 50 miles, I think, to walk from one side of the gym to the other, because you saw that cute girl and you, it's like, yeah, I wanted to ask her to dance, but it was a long way. And, and you're afraid to hear no, and you get over there and you hear no, and then you got to walk all the way back. And you know what? It's scary. And I know there's a lot of times where I didn't go and do that. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, we live through it. We, right? we survive. Yeah. I've heard no enough. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, but, I, I often tell my survive. kids, I'm like, uh, you know, um, chances are good. Someone far less capable than you has figured this out. So <laughs> I love that. Probably going to be okay. Yeah. You're right. going to be all right. Uh, I love good that stuff. Hey, so if, uh, if someone had more questions, I mean, obviously they can reach out to me and I can connect them to you, but if they had more questions or want to know more or get a hold of the book or whatever it might be, uh, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Go to epicperformances.com. So E P I C performances with an S.com. And you can connect up to me. I'm on LinkedIn. So you can connect up through LinkedIn and, and it's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, Gillette. The correct the razor way. Blade. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how I think. <laughs> my, um, my best friend in high school was Brian. His was with a Y. Yeah. So we always said that. We were like, oh, my, my grandma never spelled it right. So it's like, <laughs> how, you know, I, I, I'm okay if you put an I in there every oh, once in a while. Good. But if you want to find yeah. me on LinkedIn, you got to yeah. put it away. have a lot more success if you spell it right. Um, the, book, yeah. the book will be out. The book's on Amazon right now, the hard okay. copy or the Kindle. And um, it's for pre-order up till August. 16th. That is awesome. Brian Gillette. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, and obviously best of luck in everything you're doing and, and uh, hopefully we'll run into each other again soon. Thanks, Frank. It's been great being on the show. All the best to you and uh, F3 nation. Thanks brother. Thanks for listening to the 43 Feet Podcast. If you like what you heard on the show, or if it's helped you in some way, we'd ask you to rate us, write a review, and share us with your friends and networks. It really does help others to find us. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com or tweet us at 43feetpodcast. The climb we're on to create virtuous leaders isn't going to be easy, but we'll get there 43 feet at a time.